0: This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we learn about data science and how NetApp is leveraging it. Well, welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast
1: with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh yeah. NetApp.
2: I love this company.
1: Zipper, zipper. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio and with me today I have Garth Zeller and Stephen Keimel. Is it Keimel or Kimmel? Kimmel. Kimmel. All right. See, it, It's spelled like it would be Kimel. Yep. But yeah, so um, first uh, <laughs> we'll talk to them uh, about what they do. We also have on the phone Sundar Raghunathan and Sunghan Lin. Uh, so let's start off with the guys in the room. So Garth, what do you do here at NetApp and how can we reach you if we wanted to reach you?
2: Okay. Well, I am a data analyst slash data scientist slash data person at NetApp in the product operations group. Uh, we support the various business units with different data discoveries that they would like to have us uh, challenge us with. And they can anyone can reach me at Zoller at NetApp.com. Z-O-L-L-E-R at NetApp.com.
0: All right. And also with us, Stephen Kimmel
1: hi steven hello i work with garth we're on the same team so we do similar things um and you can reach me at s kimmel k-i-m-e-l at netapp.com
0: excellent and my understanding is you guys are starting off your own little podcast here I don't want to call it little and demean it but But it's it's
2: micro i mean it's i mean it's it's sort of it's no tech on tap (laughs) no no, no. what what could be
0: i mean (laughs) so we'll we'll talk about a little about the things you talk about on there uh, a little later but uh First, let's introduce the people on the phone. So Sundar, what do you do here at NetApp and how do we reach you?
3: Yeah, I'm Sundar Ranganathan. I'm the Senior Product Manager for AI. uh, We have a strong AI initiative going on at NetApp, and uh, I'm responsible for uh, releasing new product features, uh, new architectures, and new configurations, uh, along with uh, what NVIDIA has to offer in terms of compute, and also responsible for the profit and loss for the business itself. So, yeah, glad to be here.
0: Excellent. And last but not least, uh, Sung Han Lin, what do you do here at NetApp and how to reach you?
4: Hi, I'm Sung Lin. I'm the NetApp performance team. And uh, I'm the performance it is to prove our storage uh, performance. And then currently we are working on the AI to speed up the training process for the AI.
0: All right. Excellent. So if you have not already gathered, today's podcast will be about data science and as it pertains to NetApp. But before we start with the NetApp angle, let's talk about data science in general. And we did that, we brought in Garth and Steven to talk about that. So, Garth, can you give me a 10,000-foot view of data science, what it is, and how do people use it? Sure.
2: Basically, it's it's a new label for an old way of approaching things. Um, Basically, uh, what would have been squarely in the realm of statistics long ago has this fancy new label called data science, course you know there's been lots of developments in terms of various models that can be applied there but essentially what you're doing is you're taking data large sums of data and looking for patterns to identify relationships between things and oftentimes you are either trying to predict a a particular value like how many things am I trying to sell or you're looking to classify things like if I have a, a set of symptoms and i'm checking into a hospital i'm more likely to be experiencing a heart attack or just plain heart palpitations or
0: just plain a broken heart you know that could happen <laughs> i don't think they can help with a broken heart oh, man true yeah. <laughs> so Stephen, what sort of data science uh missions do you guys have in your group like what sort of things do you do and what sort of tools do you leverage
1: sure um and and talk about data science in general too i'll just add to it like uh, data science is the statistics and programming part, but really, where it, it is finding a, a lot of focus is on the business and the communication part now. So that's when yes. when people talk about data science, it's really all of that. It's it's the programming, statistics part, the modeling, the predicting part, but it's also the business and the com- communicating all those results. So that's that's a big part of it. So that is what our team does. Um, uh, communicating is a, a huge part of what our team does, and. As far as that NetApp, there are a, a bunch of different problems that we work on. Uh, we do a lot of different ad hoc stuff. We do some more long-term stuff of just looking at different products and and answering questions that people have about those products. Um, and what, what was the second like half? Yeah, you so
0: it. what sort of tools do you guys leverage okay, for sure. this?
1: Okay, um, sure. So we use open source tools like R and Python mainly to do data science work, to do statistics type work. Um, as far as the communication goes, we we use a lot of Tableau here to 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 visualize things. And When you said R, you mean like Map R type of stuff? Or? Um, no, it's just a program called R. It, okay. it Started
0: it was called S, and now it's called R. But they they've evolved. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. Backwards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's interesting. So, um, you know, uh, talking about data science makes me think about things like machine learning and mm-hmm. deep learning. Um, Sundar, if you could kind of cover what that type of thing is and how it's different from what garth and steven are talking about or similar
3: so if you look at the deep learning and machine learning model flow itself uh before we get into that i just want to you know set the stage over here we're telling that deep learning is a subset of machine learning and machine learning and deep learning together are uh you know they have this uh, term called artificial intelligence so so we know where we start from so when you talk about deep learning itself uh, i mean uh, let me just go over the model training flow itself uh, at a very high level everything really starts off with what the application is you know what's your uh, end goal is and uh, from there you start and you choose your framework and really depends on a number of uh, aspects over here but a framework choosing the right for framework is uh, is instrumental because it simplifies the model building process it allows you to connect the layers. It allows back propagation, and when you when you're talking about true scale of training, it lets you automate that. So some some examples over here are TensorFlow, Cafe, Cafe Two, MXNet, etc. Right, and then you move into the raw data set. So when you have the raw data set, you obviously you cannot use this uh, directly to run your training at, uh, training runs because your uh, your results are a direct. Uh, Uh, aspect of uh, how accurate your, how clean your data is. So you'll have to go through data pre-processing stages. And this can vary from labeling, cleaning, transformation, adding metadata, for example, to make it searchable, for example. And once you have your data set ready, Now you're going to have to choose between uh, the neural network options. So neural networks, again, it goes back to what your application is. If it's an image recognition or or object detection kind of application, then you're going to go with uh, neural networks. Some examples over here are, you know, ResNet-50, ResNet-152, AlexNet, VGG-16, and And if the application turns out to be, uh, you know, time series uh, uh, dependent, for example, uh, the result uh, depends on the past information, then recurrent neural networks would be the way to go over here. And one example over here is LSTM, which stands for long short short term memory. And if you are talking about uh, there's another aspect of deep learning called uh, reinforced learning, where uh, the correct answer really depends on a history of you new know, moves, and I don't want to go too much into detail on this one, but a good example for this one would be a game of chess or a game of Go. Once you've figured out what the neural network is, now you go into the step of preparing the environment, and this is where you're probably draw, uh, downloading containers, uh, you know, with all the software dependencies, including CUDA libraries and TensorFlow, uh, you know, dependencies from say NVIDIA GPU Cloud. Uh, once you've done that you go into automating your uh, uh, you know using the framework apis to automate uh, the process of reading the data um, uh, you know building models out of there and then feeding the data into the training clusters. and from here on your gpus take over uh, and this is the aspect of training where uh, you uh, you know you are just the way to actually push it for inferencing Uh, And inference is uh, is the uh, concept where you expose the trained models to new, uh, you know, new data. So this is the entire deep learning model flow. I'll be happy to go over the machine learning model flow. It looks very very similar, uh, if needed. So what do you think, Justin?
0: I think that sounds accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, and it sounds very much like you know NetApp is trying to do a better job of understanding our data scientists because ultimately that's who we end up talking to in some of these, these cases where we're trying to sell them stuff, basically. Um, so Sung Han, uh, as, as the performance guy, um, you know, how are you helping our field talk to our data scientists? What sort of questions are we giving them?
4: Okay, so when people are trying to use very high-end computation units like the GPU to compute any models... They always have the question Is that, is well, my GPU be 50% idle to help people understand that? Is okay. Uh, so we will take the whole uh, data pass through. Um, Lock path. As, as Sandra said, there are so many models right out in there. So we're trying to pinpoint where is the point for people. And we realize that it's, uh, many times it's not because your storage has the network, uh, the bottleneck. It may just be because your CPU is not uh, it's not enough or it may some the data path is not really uh, open a big enough for the, to fit the GPU to the fully utilized case situation.
0: So are we using like machine learning to help us understand machine learning? Is that what is uh, that well, what's going uh, on here?
4: <laughs> well, right now is right now it's all the human work, not the machine's work. Because oh, okay. uh, if you need to use the machine learning to identify a machine learning case, you need to have more like the uh well when I say the more inputs, or the more, uh, more the kind of things we really care. But right now, is it's not that it's not that difficult. We just need to understand, uh, when you try to profile a system, what will be the point to be the bottleneck?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried that the uh, the neural network is gonna it collapse, collapse, oh, and yeah, take us all yeah. over. So, uh, Garth, um, what sort of work do you guys do? Like, can you give us some specific ideas of what? your group does like for for the data science side.
2: Yeah, sure. Actually, before I do that, I just want to um, highlight a couple things that I heard as, as folks were speaking. One is that data science isn't just some fly by the hand of, you know, the wind quick ad hoc thing. It's a disciplined intentional behavior. And you're starting it because you have a goal in mind. And it's, that's your hypothesis that you're trying to, you know, either prove or disprove. So... It is an intentional disciplined practice, and it's bringing that discipline to everything that you're doing that really what makes the value of that discovery so meaningful, um, because then you can start doing things that are repeatable. The other thing that I wanted to highlight, too, is that, um, you know, when Steven was talking about kind of the, the, the communication side of things, even beyond the visuals is the actual storytelling, and, and I think this is a part in data science and everything we just heard, there's tons of technical details that are going on, lots of left brain stuff, but there's this huge amount of right brain stuff that doesn't quite get the, you know, sexy discussion that's so critical. You you really do have to be versed in how to tell a story. You know, how do you draw that audience in, how do you communicate your message, because your data Data can be perfect, and it's going to be completely useless if you can't convey the message to people that aren't these deep data scientists. And, and for our team, answering your question, you know, a lot of our um, stakeholders are going to be executives in the company at the various business unit levels. And so they'll basically come to us and they'll say, hey, I have this hypothesis that such and such is happening. Like, you know, either they're seeing like maybe sales are, are down or up or, and they're not sure why, but they have an idea. They'll give that to us and then we'll go and, and apply different models to try and understand, well, what is happening? Why is that happening? What else can we learn about it? And what is what else might that affect? And then communicate those results back.
0: So as far as data science goes, I mean, is it, do you need a background in like more mathematics or more science or more computer science? I mean, what's the background got to be there? Okay, this
2: is, go oh, ahead, okay, Stephen, you, you say first.
1: Well, I, I would say, you know, the perfect data scientist, yeah, for sure has a background in computer science and statistics. Like that's, that's the ideal as far as background, as far as educational background um, and then to add to that the business knowledge and the communication piece to, to become a whole, you know, well-rounded unicorn data scientist. Uh, but, yeah, it's both of those. Yeah. Um, stats and programming. Would,
0: would you say that in data science we apply the scientific method in some cases? I mean, do we actually leverage that at all or is it just something entirely different and we just label it science? I mean, sort
2: of in in a traditional scientific method, you start with your hypothesis Mm -hmm. and you're looking to prove or disprove it. And I guess in a classical sense, you'd have an experiment that you would run. Of course, those end up being very costly and difficult to do. So you end up doing something other than that. But, um, yeah, I mean, in a sense, you do. That's the discipline part. And and kind of adding on to what your question and Stephen's answer, uh, I would actually fit a profile that's the inverse of that. You know, my, my background was not computer science and statistics, although I have certainly added those skills over the years. I'm coming from more of a right brain background and business background. Both are necessary. They kind of have very different journey paths. But in my, in my view of data science, uh, frankly, anybody that's interested needs to be in it. And, and depending on whether your left brain or right brain just determines which learning path you're going to take. But all of it's important, and, and yeah, you should be here. <laughs> So what about like, a, like an art degree, like if I'm a painter? Totally. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I can take a right brainer and teach them the left brain pieces. <laughs> there, there's a way to do that. It's just a question of, you know, the, people like that. And then this is me. This is 100% me. I'm a visual learner. Everything I do is based in pictures. So I just translate all the, all the, the code piece into visuals that I understand. It gets cemented, Translate it back into the code line,
0: done. And I'm, I bring up the painting because we actually had a demo uh, at Insight, which was the Van Gogh painting, where you basically you you basically would draw. It was called Vincent, right, Sundar? It would predict how you draw. That's
3: right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
0: So you know that was that was an interesting uh, demo we had at Insight. So Sundar, how is NetApp learning lessons from data science and applying it uh, to what customers are wanting out of their storage architectures?
3: So it really boils down to two big aspects. Uh, we focus on how, what can we do from a storage point of view to make sure that the GPUs, how many hours that uh, that are being used, are not waiting on data, and making sure that the GPUs are hitting very high, uh, you know, utilizations. And this is uh, instrumental in any training uh, training run because the GPUs are extremely expensive, and you don't want the GPUs to be waiting on data. So that's number one and number two is this the number the point number one will be achieved only if the data from the network is you know being pushed at a very low latency into the gpu caches and that's the only way the gpus are not going to be waiting on data because these gpus remember are crunching data at a very rapid rate each uh, each gpu at least the latest and greatest from nvidia has about 5000 cores and they are churning out a lot of uh, multiplication, matrix multiplication uh, uh, calculations per uh, per second. So you don't want. It's it's very difficult uh, to keep the GPU saturated. So that's where we are innovating from storage point of view to make sure that all the bottlenecks in the entire pipeline are being addressed. And, uh, be, uh, you know, optimized for uh, to ensure that the GPUs are not waiting on data.
0: So, Sunghan, you, you do performance testing. What sort of tools do you utilize to do the testing? What sort of benchmarking do you do? And what's more important in those workloads? Is it latency? Is it throughput? Or is it all of the above?
4: Uh, well, I was in uh, everything because uh, if you take a look for the whole path length, it's like the throughput definitely is important because the throughput, uh, maybe we just say for the image training uh, it will be the number image per second, the CP, the you can read in from the storage, right? So uh, if you have more uh, image feeding to the GPU, then that means the GPU can train more data simultaneously. So uh, I will say the GPU will be important and then the, not, uh, the super is important. And then another the one is the latency as you had mentioned. Uh, the latency is important is because when we try to initiate the read from the data, what is the time? From I initial to read the data and then for the time when I get the data is the latency we mentioned here. As mentioned uh Sander said, we can have a very short latency to read the data. But right now, if we just double it, you have to expect that is uh our throughput uh will get reduced. Well, maybe just like the 50%, something like that. So both of them are important. And for me, uh I'm trying to uh using the uh, for the latency, we have some tools in the uh, NetApp called the PerfStat. It can help us to understand what is the uh, NetApp uh, file can do. And then we are trying to uh, run like the uh, benchmark in the TensorFlow in order to understand that is where is the part, where uh, that does not, uh, has, is the bottleneck cannot make us have a higher throughput, and which part will cause uh, more weighting to feed the data from the storage side to the GPU part. So that is what we have done, and I would say both of them are very important for the customer or for the data scientist to uh, have a faster training speed.
0: So, do we have any white papers on this performance? Do we have any published numbers, or is that something that's coming down the pipe?
4: Uh yes. Yeah, so we, uh, we already have uh, published papers about our for DGX one. Uh DGX one is the NVIDIA's like the AGPU box, and then in this one we have using we can train our data. uh uh, trend, uh, reading the data from our A800 filer to the 32 uh, V100 GPUs simultaneously. And we still show we can uh, have a very high speed and then we still have a many headroom to add in more GPUs and then to the to using our filer. And then we can still keep the latency to as very low. Uh, we already have the technical report on the website so people can easily download that and then you can get the read number on it.
0: Okay, cool. We'll include that in the show notes and have everybody linked to that. So I'm going to play a little game now. We have data scientists in the room, and we have a product manager on the phone. Uh So we're going to play sell to our data scientists. (laughs) So Sundar, um, convince our data scientists that the NetApp AI solution or the OnTap AI solution is the best for their needs.
3: So if you look at the data scientists, uh, the, the data science workflow that I actually bent over a couple of few minutes back, the two big aspects that you'll see in that workflow or chart is what, something to do with you know preparation of data, uh, you know, be it labeling of data, transforming the data, adding metadata to the, to to the data, basically improving the quality of data. That's number one. The other aspect is the training aspect, where if you want to make sure that the GPUs are uh, are uh, saturated. Your training runs are taking. As uh, uh, you know as minimal time as possible, so you can you can come up with faster iterations. So these are the two big aspects. So one is the data prep side, and most of the data scientists would agree with me that you know a significant portion of the whole workflow is uh, is dependent on this one step and it takes about sixty to seventy percent of the entire time. And during this time, you don't want the last thing you want is a storage system which is extremely slow. And which is delaying this already, uh, you know, uh, time-consuming process of uh, of data wrangling. That's number one. And on the training side, you want to make sure that the uh, that the training runs are accelerated to the fastest possible extent. The NVIDIA DGX One attempts to solve the training problem, and the uh, 800 NetApp AFS systems attempts to solve the data problem.
0: All right. Data data scientists. What did he win? Data scientists. (laughs) Can we count on your business? Did he win some data? Can we count on your business, data scientists? I I would be willing to explore a proof of concept for sure. Excellent. That's a good step. (laughs) We'll we'll count that as a good answer. (laughs) There we go. All right. Sundar, you win nothing. Good job. All right. You get to keep your job. Yay! Oh, man. Oh, man. The price was high. Yikes. Well, you never want to tell him beforehand. Oh, no. it's too much pressure. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. All right. Uh, anything else you want to add, guys? Just generally speaking about data science? or oh, and, I mean, data, about data science or anything. I mean, you know, life...
3: Another aspect of what we do and what we bring to the table is we have partnered with a number of, uh, uh, you know, two different types of uh, partners. So, one is uh, the software ecosystem vendors who have, you know, a bunch of AI startups who have specifically come up with genuine ways of uh, handling data, handling the training aspect of things, orchestrating the entire workflow itself by adding a software layer on top. These are, these are one type of uh, partners that we, are, uh, that we have uh, already partnered with and we are jointly going to the customers, too. That's number one. And the second aspect is the consulting side of things. So, uh, you know, uh, we recognize that uh, many of our customers are strong on the infrastructural side but not so much on the data science aspect of things. So they know what they want, they know what they can achieve, but they don't necessarily have the resources in terms of, uh, in terms of heads to you know make that possible. So we bring in. We have partnered with uh, consulting partners as well, who can who can provide that uh, kind of support.
2: I would add one more thing
0: to... Go for it, if I may. You may. All <laughs> right.
2: Cool. I'll I'll allow it. <laughs> so we talked at the beginning about how what's old is new. The idea of statistics has been relabeled into data science, and it's become this hot thing. Um, my I don't necessarily think this is a prediction because I think it's already happening, although I could definitely win that prediction if I made it now. (laughs) Um, But to me, as I look at data science and I just look at data in general, just the exponential growth of it and and how other companies, even non-NetApp companies, are using data, to me, data science as a methodology, as a mindset, a practice, is essentially the new table stakes no matter what function you're in whether you are a data scientist whether you're product management product marketing an executive whatever i mean it's going to be like excel if you're not able to use it in some basic way you're going to be left behind the good news is you don't have to start at deep learning you don't have to start at neural networks practice the 2080 rule go for the simple things first keep your models keep your questions as simple as possible apply basic code uh, or, or concepts if you have people in your team that are doing this and and just solve the 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 majority with the with the least amount of effort possible as a beginning place you can always
0: grow up from there but y- you have to you don't have a choice really so what would be some advice you'd give to somebody just trying to start out like what would they mm-hmm. need to, to, to use
1: yeah, so I would say, assuming this audience is mostly going to be technical um, people who had had some computer science background, I would say, uh, if try out Fast AI, which is a website, if you just Google Fast AI, it's great. It actually does start, you know, where Garth is saying that you don't have to start with the deep learning, but I think I think it introduces it in such a way that it demystifies a lot of stuff mm-hmm. because I know it's a very scary topic, you know, deep learning. You know, that's the end of the, the path. But actually, um, starting there, you can learn a whole lot, and they do a really good job of explaining things there and, they, and going through the whole process and, and modeling from beginning to end. So I, that, that's a great place to start for those who are, have some programming background but have no you know, statistics background, haven't it, have it kind of gotten into data science before. That's, that's a great place to start. Um, so that, that would be my recommendation probably for this audience would be the best. And and there are others, Boot Camps.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, or data, sorry, Data Camp is very popular for both Python and R. Uh, Microsoft has their, you know, kind of Data Science Academy, and you can learn ML Studio, which is a very soft, easy way to get into actually seeing what the models are doing at each step. It's a very quick way to learn. So lot, lots of things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the idea of data science is not exactly new. I mean, it's been around a while, and you can look yeah, in like totally. a good example is uh, have you ever seen the money, the movie Moneyball? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Moneyball is based on you know, statistics and, and analytics for baseball. And, you know, Billy Bean was the pioneer of this. And, you know, people have copied him since. But that was data science. Yep. You know, and that's like 10, 15 years ago. Exactly. So this is not new concepts. This is something that, you know, people are already have been using for a while. Now we have the the ability to throw more compute at it, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. things like the DGX1s and the, and the GPUs. Um, and, of course, the NetApp storage. Ding-ding! Of course. Of course. Is there data science without NetApp storage? Oh, I, don't. I, don't, I don't understand it. Uh, so <laughs> S- Sundar, anything else you want to add?
3: Uh, you actually covered it pretty
0: well, so no more additions there. All right. Uh, Sung Han, do you have anything else you would like to add? Uh, no, I think everything is good. So, so I agree. Everything is good. It's all good. <laughs> everything is awesome. <laughs> That's right. Definitely. It's because we're part of a team. Um, all right. Excellent. So, again, um, if we wanted to reach you, Garth, how do we do that? You reach out to Zoller, Z-O-L-L-E-R, at NetApp.com.
1: And Stephen. It's S Kimmel, S-K-I-M-E-L, at NetApp.com.
0: Sundar?
3: It's going to be my first name, dot last name, on NetApp.com. That's sundar.ranganathan at NetApp.com.
0: All right. Do we have any, uh, like, distribution lists we can point people to as well?
3: Yes. Uh, you can reach us on ngaiinquiry at NetApp.com. It's ng dash ai dash at All
0: right, and Sunghan.
4: Yeah, my email is sunghanl at netapp.com.
0: All right, excellent. We'll include those in the show notes. Again, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And thank you for having us. Enlightening thank us you. about thank data you. science.
3: Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. All right, that music
0: tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontentpodcast.com If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Garth Zoller, Stephen Kimmel, Sundar Ranganathan, and Sung Han Lin for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh yeah.
1: Is it just me that's getting off on this?
0: Oh yeah.